greet each one of you once again in the worthy and the precious name of Jesus. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your support throughout the week. Thank you for the snacks. I know I mentioned before, but uh, we do appreciate your kindness, your generosity with us in many ways. Um, I don't know if you are aware of this or not. As a congregation, you have a bit of a reputation when it comes to snacks and speakers' vehicles afterwards, and so you did not disappoint us in that. We were warned or we were told that this is something you can expect, and uh, we came to look forward to it each and every evening. So God bless you for that. God bless you for your support to us this week. It has been a joy. It's been a privilege to be here with us. We felt very welcome, very comfortable here this week. So thank you, and God bless you. The story is told of a, uh, a barber that was working with one of his longtime patrons that was a regular customer of his. And while the barber was giving his haircut, he looked out the window of the barber shop or out the front door of the barber shop and he saw the la uh, a lad, a young lad, coming down the sidewalk. And so the barber says to his customer, he says, hey, he says, watch this. And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a dollar bill and he pulled out two quarters. And the, uh, the young lad comes into the barber shop and the barber goes over to the young lad and he says, son, he says, pick one. And the young lad takes the two quarters and goes back out the door. And the, the barber turns around to the, back to his customer. He says, that silly lad, he does this day after day after day. He comes in here, I offer him a dollar bill and two quarters, and he takes the two quarters and he goes, as if that's more valuable than a dollar bill. So the customer, he, goes, uh, he gets finished up his haircut. He goes out of the barber shop and he sees the young lad coming out of the corner store licking his ice cream cone that he's purchased with his two quarters. And so he goes up to him and he says, son, he says, I understand you've done this before with the barber. And he says, yeah. He says, well, why do you pick the two quarters instead of the dollar bill? The young lad licks his, his ice cream cone and he says, well, when I take the dollar bill, the game is over. While he looked like he was making a foolish decision, he really knew what he was doing for the long run. That so well introduces what I want to talk about here this evening, the idea of the choices that we make, decisions that we make. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I'd like you to think about this idea of decision, this idea of choices. As you go throughout life, as you go throughout a day, you are continually making choices, you're making decisions all day long. This is a frequent happening that a lot of times you don't even think about. When you get up in the morning, you know, I'm going to have a piece of toast with my cereal or no toast. Am I going to put jam on my toast if I decide I'm going to have toast? Am I going to wear the blue dress or the green dress? Am I going to put a sweater on or not a sweater on? Or am I going to change it five times before I figure out what I'm going to do? All those decisions. Sorry, my wife's giving me the dirty look. <laughs> All these decisions you're making as you go throughout life, and they're, they're menial, menial, they're not that important decisions, but there are big decisions, there's big choices that we make. Am I going to be employed at this place or at this place? Am I going to go to high school? Am I going to go to Terry Hill or to Faith or to Schaeferstown or to Ephrata or to Fairview? Or am I going to go to college after high school? Am I, am I going to start a relationship with this young man or with this young woman? Are we going to get married? Am I going to buy a house? What house am I going to buy? All these are maybe bigger decisions that seem to have a big impact on our life, and they do. Then there's decisions, there's choices that we make in secret, in the privacy of our minds that nobody really knows about. Decisions of, am I going to allow my eyes to rest on that billboard for too long. 
Or what am I going to do in the secrecy on my device? Am I going to click on that YouTube video that pops up in my feed? Am I going to allow my thoughts to dwell on these revengeful, these hateful, these jealousy thoughts that are coming into my mind? Decisions that we're making in our mind that are private, that are kept hidden. All day long, all throughout life, we're making decisions, we're making choices. And what we want to think about this evening is that we want to learn, we want to make decisions with eternity in mind because the decisions that we make will have an impact and effect on eternity. We want to learn to make decisions with eternity in mind because the decisions that we make will have an effect on eternity. We're going to be working from Moses here in Hebrews chapter 11. The text is out of Hebrews 11 verses 23 through 27. Follow along here just a quick overview of Moses. Hebrews 11 verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The life of Moses... Just a quick overview here that the writer of Hebrews gives us in the life of Moses. But I like to think just a little bit about the many decisions that Moses made throughout his life and the massive, the, the immense impact it had on him and the people that he led. Think about it. As he was an adolescent, he had that opportunity where he was in his mother's home. He was in the home of his mother, but then eventually he was brought back to Pharaoh's daughter and was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He had to make a choice there. Who is he? Who is he going to identify? Is he going to identify with the teaching of his parents, his real parents, when he was a young child growing up? Or is he going to identify and adopt the teachings of Pharaoh and the nation of Egypt that he was put in? As a young adult, he stood at the, that fork in the road. He had to make a choice. And he, you could see a choice was made as he was out there with his people and he had witnessed an Egyptian beating one of his people and he stepped in and he intervened. He said, I am choosing to be a Hebrew and not an Egyptian. Moses made a choice then after that, again, a, 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 maybe a snap decision of killing that Egyptian. And he made that choice which impacted him in leaving Egypt, leaving out, a, a, abandoning, forsaking Egypt, going away from Egypt. But that led him to the place where he came into the land of Midian. I'm just jumping through quickly here some of the big highlights of, of Moses' life. He came to the land of Midian. He paused at a well to help some women in feeding their, in watering their flocks which prompted then him being invited in to, the, to Raul or the priest of Midian's home. I don't know if what took place in that time when he was there, if that he was taught more deeply in the ways of God, of his childhood teachings that he had. But then Moses made the very monumental decision to obey God and to go back to Egypt. After he had that encounter with God at the burning bush, and he obeyed God to go back to Egypt and lead his people out of bondage. That's just a, a quick few snapshots of Moses and the decisions that he made and the chain of events and how it impacted history for him 
and many people, for the nation of Israel, how it impacted history. Moses could have stood at those forks in the road, at those decision points, and he could have chose differently. And the effect on history would be very different today. We'll never know what that looks like because Moses chose to obey God and to follow God. But for you and me, we go throughout life, we're making decisions, we are writing history as we go throughout life, as we're making our decisions, and we have the opportunity to ensure that our decisions, our choices, will lead us in the path of eternity, will lead us to where we have the opportunity to spend eternity with God. I made the statement that we must learn to make decisions with eternity in mind because the decisions that we make will have an effect on eternity. But how do we do that? How do we go about making decisions with eternity in mind? How do, what does it look like? How do we know that we are making decisions with eternity in mind so that those decisions have the impact on eternity that we want? Pulling from the life of Moses here, there's three guidelines that I, I observed. I'm not saying these guidelines that we pull out of my life of Moses here are all exhaustive, but I think there are guidelines that will help us as we go about making decisions to lead us, to bring us to the place where the decisions that, are, that we make have the right impact on eternity. Three guidelines that we want to point out in decision making that as we stand at a crossroad, as we're making a choice, whether it's a small choice, whether it's a monumental choice, all these decisions that we make, ensuring that we're making them with eternity in mind. What does that look like? First guideline that we see from the life of Moses is in verses 24 and 25. The guideline is to identify with the people of God. Identify with the people of God. By faith, verse 24, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. As I look at the life of Moses, this guideline of him choosing to identify with the people of God, I think is probably one of the most important decisions that he made. I don't know if it's right to say the most important, but it's a very important decision because in that decision of choosing to identify with the people of God, choosing to be an Israelite instead of Egyptian, he fixed in his heart of who he is and where he belongs, which camp he belongs in. He chose to identify, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God instead of, say, instead of staying in Egypt in the safety of Pharaoh's house. He identified with the people of God. As we go throughout life, as we are making decisions, as we're making choices along the way, we should make sure that our decisions are to identify with the people of God, that they line up with identifying with the people of God, that as we make choices, I am going to choose to ensure that I identify with God's people. That is fixed in my heart. And what I mean by that is that it is fixed in my heart that I am a Christian. I believe in God's Word. And I am going to make decisions that follow along with God's Word and that put me in the camp of God's people. That I identify with the people of God. I would like to push that one step further. Not only am I a Christian, but I am an Anabaptist. If I could take it so far as to say that I am a Mennonite, I am a member of Myerstown Mennonite Church, that's who I identify with. 
I am choosing to identify with the people of God. I am choosing to identify with this group right here. And as I make choices, as I make decisions, that's a guideline that I'm going to use to ensure that I'm keeping eternity in view. I'm choosing to identify with the people of God. I think it was Saturday evening. Just tickled my funny bone to no end. On the way home from here, we left here. We, we were down at a traffic light just out here in this right there, 501, 422 at Square Myerstown. I think it's 422 anyway, out there. Just right down here anyway, a traffic light. This big pickup truck in front of us. Jacked up, big rims, loud exhaust, rumbling away. On his back window, it said, I identify as a Prius. <laughs> I just love that. Everything about that truck spoke gas guzzler, diesel, power, whatever. But he was trying to say, or she was trying to say, I identify as a Prius. Now, there's a lot of other stuff that goes along with that. But what I'm saying is we can't go throughout life, we can't go through the, our Christian life and have the look, the sound, the smell, the taste, everything of the world, but say, I identify as a Christian. It doesn't work. If we are a Christian, it's going to show. If we are following God's word, if we're walking God's word, if we are abiding by the guidelines of Myerstown Mennonite Church, it's going to show, and that is an identifier that we're okay with. It's fixed in, in my heart. As I choose to follow God, as I choose to make decisions with eternity in mind, I'm going to choose to identify with the people of God. And that's not going to change if I'm on vacation. That's not going to change if I'm at work. That's not going to change when I'm at school. That's not going to change no matter where I am. This is where I belong. This is who I am. I am choosing to identify with the people of God. Let that be a guideline as you make decisions, as you make choices, as you make those, those small, menial decisions, those, those unimportant decisions you might think about. Let it be a guideline that I'm choosing to identify with the people of God. The reality is, when we have that fixed in our heart, when we have that rooted and grounded in our heart, is this is who I am. Now, maybe to qualify or clarify, I'm not saying we just, we just grab a hold of this without thinking about it, without wrestling with it. I believe it is valuable to study, to look into God's Word, to understand what does the church stand for. All that, I believe that's very valuable. It needs to be internalized. It's not just an inherited faith that mom and dad say, I go here and this is what I do. We need to know where we stand, but once we have fixed that in our heart, it stands and it's not changing. It's there, it's a guideline that, makes that helps us in our decision making. Because what it does, when we have that guideline fixed in our heart, identifying with the people of God, it makes decision making easier because it cuts out other options. It cuts out those choices, those options that are outside of that guideline. Think about it this way. If you've went to the doctor, and the doctor has done us, you know, whatever, has given you a physical, and he says, you know what, because of different things in your body, you need to stop eating sugar. It's not a good thing for me because, you know, I enjoy donuts. That's not the case. The doctor has said, this is an illustration, but think about it. The doctor has said, you need to stop eating sugar, and you have heard his reasoning, you have heard his logic, and you say, yes, that makes sense to me because of my health condition. I need to stop eating sugar. I agree with you, doctor. I fix it in my heart. I'm not eating sugar. Now when you make choices, you know what category, what options there are for you. There's none, just water. <laughs> You're not quite that case, not quite that way, but it's fixed in your mind that as you go to make selections on a, on a beverage, on, on drinks, on desserts, on whatever you're gonna eat, no sugar is clear, it's fixed. 
The inverse of that is that if the doctor says it would be best for you not to eat sugar, and he explains why, and you say, eh, I don't really agree with that. I, I don't know. That's the doctor's thinking. That's just his ideas. I, I don't know if it's valuable. Now you've complicated things because you see that it should, you, you heard the doctor's argument that it should be, but you're choosing to say, I don't know if it's valuable. So now you have to make a choice first. Am I going to obey the doctor or not on this selection? And then what am I going to choose? But when you have that fixed of I believe, this is who I identify with, it clears the air and it makes the decisions, the choices either easier. Identify with the people of God is a guideline. Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Not just when it was convenient. He didn't jump on the bandwagon when they were headed out of Egypt. No. He chose to identify and suffer affliction with the people of God. Second guideline that I see here from the life of Moses is to ignore the pleasures of sin. Ignore the pleasures of sin. As we go throughout life and as we make decisions, there is an immediate allure and temptation that comes along with decisions where there's sin attached to it, that pleasure is right there. And it clouds our vision, it distracts us, and we need to choose to ignore the pleasures of sin. Hebrews chapter 11 there, Moses, he says he chose to suffer affliction, verse 25, suffer affliction with the people of God, then enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He chose to ignore that. By faith, verse 27 says he forsook Egypt. I think it's something we're aware of. We realize that sin has pleasure. There is enjoyment in, in sin. There is pleasure in sin. But it is but for a season. It is short. In comparison to eternity, it is very short. That sin might bring pleasure for an hour or two or a day or a week or a year. I don't know. But in comparison to eternity, that is short. And as we go throughout life and as we go throughout making decision making, we, sh we must ensure that that allure of the temptation, that allure of sin is not clouding our judgment and we're ignoring that pleasure of sin that comes along with the decision. What I'm thinking about here, the idea I like to try to get is that as we're in that moment of making a decision and there's something within our heart that says, is this really right? Should I really be doing this? That we are okay to take the time to pause, to stop, to step back and strip away the allure, the temptation, those pleasures that are coming with it and say, is this really something that I want to put myself in? That, that, that good movie that everybody's talking about that we know has those sensual innuendos and all kinds of foul languages, but it's a really good movie and it's got a really good plot, got some really good characters in it. Strip all that away. Is this something that I want to put myself in front of? Is this something a child of God should be taking in? Ignore those pleasures and say, in light of eternity, do I want to do this? Do I want to partake in this? Ignore those pleasures of sin as Moses did. He forsook that. He forsook Egypt, that implication of the world. He pushed that aside and he chose rather to think about and to focus on eternity. He chose to make decisions with eternity in mind. 
So what I'm calling you to to think about as you're making decisions is to resist that urge to act right away, to resist that urge to make a decision when you know there's something that isn't quite right, to pause, to step back, strip away the emotions, those, those draws, those, those, the, the pull, the pleasure of sin, and look at it in light of eternity. In view of eternity, is this something I want to do? Now, not, not all the decisions that we make have anything to do with the pleasures of sin. Deciding if you're going to go grocery shopping in the morning or in the afternoon has nothing to do with the pleasures of sin. Unless there's something about grocery shopping I'm not aware of. But choices that we make of what we're going to do with our discretionary time. Choices that we make of what am I going to view in private on my smartphone, on the computer, when I'm alone. Choices of what am I going to do with that story that is so juicy, might not quite be true, but it's just so good, I just want to relay it to my friend. What are we going to do with that? How am I going to interact with that attractive non-Christian co-worker at work? Those choices, we need to ignore the pleasures of sin, strip aside the pleasures of sin, and choose with eternity of God, with eternity in mind, excuse me. Two guidelines we see here is identifying with the people of God, choosing to ignore the pleasures of sin, and the third one that we want to pull out of here out of Hebrews chapter 11 is to intently focus on eternity. Intently focus on eternity. I'm fascinated by Moses as what the Hebrew writer writes about Moses here in verses 26 and 27. It says, He esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses somehow in his Old Testament frame of, of thinking, somehow he had a perspective of God. He had a perspective of focusing on God and he made decisions with that in mind. He chose to forsake Egypt. He chose to esteem the riches of Christ and to forsake Egypt. He chose to see God enduring, seeing Him who is invisible. He chose to put His focus on eternity and made decisions with that in mind, choosing, choosing to follow after, after God. There's an illustration that I like to, just I think drives this home. I'd like to share with you this evening. It's not original with me. I think... Uh, the first I've seen it was from Francis Chan, if I remember correctly. I'd like, I have a rope here. I'd like you to imagine, think about this rope as your life. Well, not just your life, as your existence. I'd like you to think about, there we go. <laughs> I guess it's going to fall off. We have a soul. All of us, every one of us has a soul that is never dying. And we're going to spend eternity somewhere. So our existence is going to go on forever. I'd like you to imagine this rope goes on, out the wall, down 501, and goes on and on and on and never ends. And that's our existence. That's our, our, our life. That is who we are because of our soul. This red part is our time here on earth. This illustrates, this represents our time here on earth, where we're in right now. And after we die, where that red ends and the white begins, that's where eternity begins and goes on 
and on and on. And what I want us to think about is the decisions, the choices that we make in this part of life right here affect where we spend eternity. And when we transition from red into white, when we transition into eternity, our destination is sealed and there is no changing. And the decisions that we make in this little part of our life, the decisions that we make in here, will affect whether we spend eternity in heaven with God or we spend eternity in hell. goes on and on and on. The next time that you're wrestling with a decision, you're struggling, bring eternity into perspective. Think about the rope. Think about the rope that goes on and on and on. And what is this decision, what impact is it going to have on my eternal state? Where is it going to lead me in eternity? Where is it going to take me if I make that choice? Where is it going to take me? Think about eternity. This is why it is important that we intently focus on eternity because we get so tangled up, we get so wrapped up in, in this here little portion of our life. We want to ensure that we're comfortable, that we're safe, we are financially secure, we have all the good things. We want to make sure that we work hard now so we can tire well and make all these decisions focused on this. When it's nothing in comparison to eternity. It's nothing in comparison to eternity. That's why it's important that we think about eternity as we're making decisions, the choices that we make. Where is it leading us? Where is it leading our hearts? Is it leading us to an eternity with Christ? Or is it leading us on a trajectory that is taking us away from Christ? The decisions that we make, we need to make with eternity in mind because they have an impact, they have an effect on eternity. I encourage you as we go forth from here, as we go forth from this week of meetings, that we take the time to pause and we take the time to think about eternity. We take the time to think about where are our choices leading us? Are they leading me to an eternal destination with Christ in heaven? So many times we put all the, we put all the weight on the big decisions, those, those big decisions that we make of, throughout life, and they're valuable, they're important. It's important that we think about them. But don't neglect the small decisions, the small choices that we make. Really quick, really in a moment. Don't neglect them because those can slowly alter our trajectory, slowly alter our path to eventually we end up heading off somewhere totally different than where we intended to start or intended to go as we started out. Check the decisions. In view of eternity, is this a wise choice? And not always is every decision going to have the type of impact on, on eternity that others might. Sometimes God has put before us two choices and He wants us to choose. Both of them might be, would be what God desires for us. And we need to step out in faith, seek His face and step out in faith. But look at those decisions, look at the steps that we're making, the choices that we're making, and focus on eternity. As Moses did, he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. In light of eternity, the difficulties, 
the trials, the things we suffer through here or we struggle through here in light of eternity, it's worth it. Moses found endurance. Moses found motivation as he focused on eternity, as he kept his perspective on eternity that gave him motivation to endure. And it's the same for us. Focusing on eternity, intently focusing on eternity gives us the motivation to endure through life. I encourage you, as you go throughout life, lift your eyes up above whatever's taking place here and make choices, make decisions with eternity in mind because the decisions, the choices that we make will have an effect, will have an impact on eternity. Choose to ignore the pleasures of, of sin. Choose to identify with the people of God. And most importantly, keep eternity in view. Don't lose sight of eternity. I want to sing number 577 in closing here. Before we do that, let's stand for a word of prayer. Five hundred and seventy-seven. Let's pray again. Thank you for being here this evening, throughout the week. God bless you. It's been an honor and a privilege to be with you. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this evening. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. We thank you, God, for the church. We thank you for the body of believers here at Myerstown. And I pray your blessing upon them. God, as we go forth from here, as we continue striving to live out our Christian walk, give us the strength to keep eternity in focus. Give us the strength to lift up our eyes beyond the things that grab us and that weigh us down here on earth and to keep eternity in view. I pray, God, your blessing upon each one here. I pray your blessing upon them as they strive to follow you and to walk close with you. I pray, God, you reward them of their desire to walk closely with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.